Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, everyone, I am here with my first male guest. (gasps) I'm so honored. You should be. I am. This is definitely a first for us. I'm so excited that you're here. Everyone, this is Paul Fishman. I just called him Fisherman. So so rude. Yeah, he had to correct me a little bit. I hate fishing. Do you actually? Yeah, I don't well, like it either. I mean, it's just like as a boy, like, you know, you have to go fishing. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just like a thing that I had to do and I just wasn't good at it. And like nature and, you know, like. <laughs> It was rough for me as a child. Can I be honest? Like, I'm one of those people that I'm so inspired by people who, like, go hiking and get muddy and do all these things. And I'm like, I I hate dirt on me. Like, I'm not like a, like, I love nature, but, like, I don't like the second that I'm, like, I get, like, uncomfortable when I get, like, dirty or feel, like, gritty or gross. Like, when I was a kid, I wouldn't even, like, use an outhouse. My parents were, like, we would have to, like, drive you into town to, like, go to the bathroom because you wouldn't use, like, an outhouse. And then as a kid in public school, I wouldn't, like, use the public washroom. Like I was so weird about things, but I'm not even a germaphobe, like not even a little. I just love that your parents would do that for you. Like my dad would be like, so we're going on the side of the road. Yeah. Um, to be honest, apparently I made a bit of a issue out of it. And I think that I said to my mom, I'm not going in that cow stink. <laughs> and it was three days or close. I don't know how long it was, but I was, I was a toddler and I was like holding it for days. So they got really worried that I was going to like have an infection, which was like valid. So they definitely didn't coddle me or anything like that. But I think that was just one of those times they were like, nope, we're not going to do that. And we're just going to like, we're just going to let her go to the bathroom somewhere else. I think it was a true act of self-love on your part. It was a definitely like, this is a (laughs) non-negotiable and I I have to do this. Three-year-old Misa had some sass to her, I (laughs) Mm -hmm. think. So anyways, Paul Fishman, tell us who the heck you are because you kind of slid into my DMs like months ago. <laughs> months. And we have like this online obsession with each other now. And I'm so in love with everything you do. You're such a light. You're such a, I feel like I say that to everyone who comes on this podcast, but I literally, it's because I handpick people who are like such a light. And I know that like, 
I have an ability to share that light because you're shining so brightly. I need the whole friggin' world to understand who the heck you are. So you tell us who you are and give us your origin story and how the heck you got to what you're doing now. Okay. Well, my name is Paul Fishman. I am a self-love coach and you do you activist. My mission is to empower and inspire humanity to love unconditionally. So I just want to show up every single day and allow each and every person to know that by loving yourself, that's the first step to sharing love with the world. And we we tend to skip that step and we think that we can receive love and give love without giving it or receiving it our own selves. And that's just false. And I'm just going to call call it like it is. So it was a long journey for me to actually look in the mirror and realize that that was the missing piece. I've done so many different careers. I've done so many different things in my life. I was 75 pounds overweight, $75,000 in credit card debt. And I mean, 75 should be my lucky number, but it's not. It's like my unlucky number. And I was in a toxic, emotionally abusive relationship. And I was, this was around 10 years ago. So this is like my self-love origin story. Before I stepped out into my light and said, I love myself unconditionally, all those things were kind of like happening to me. And that was rock bottom for me. So for the first 25 years of my life, I was the epitome of a people pleaser. I uh, self-sabotage was my middle name. I was living my life with the expectations that I placed on myself that I thought others had for me. So I was, I was, Interesting. does that make sense? Like, yeah, but I've just never heard it put so mm-hmm. well. Like I went to college because my parents were like, please go to college. I tried to lose weight because society was like, you got to be thin to, mm. to be good or powerful or whatever. And all those other things I tried to be straight because that's what society said. You tried to be straight. Surprise. I was, I didn't come out until I was 26. Get out. Mm. Wow. I I really wanted to get out. But I mean, I, I would have been your girlfriend for sure. Seriously. Like we would have had a great life. We would have. We and would have, but. You were just on my show and yeah. I was trying to drive you to Vegas. <laughs> but I know like you didn't want to have that, that much. You know, yeah, you like your husband. It's fine. And, and I, we I both like, like our husbands. And, and, we're fine. Yeah, yeah we're cool. fine. We're fine. But, but we would have had, it, in another life, we would have had a great Seriously. Marriage. Totally. Yeah, we would have. Yeah. It would have been beautiful. But anyways. Anyway, so I lived that life for a very, very long time. And it was really painful. But I didn't know that that's what I was experiencing. I just thought that I was wrong for wanting a different life. I I was wrong for wanting to be happy. Mm -hmm. So let's fast forward now to my rock bottom of the number 75 and like being in a toxic, emotionally abusive relationship with a woman who would say things to me like, if you don't think that this is happiness, then you're never going to be happy because this is what happiness is. And I'm like, oh, happiness is emotionally eating myself into an oblivion and then Mm -hmm. going and shopping afterwards because I didn't feel good and Mm -hmm. only buying shoes because that was the only thing that always fit me. And Mm -hmm. like, and just like working at a job that didn't fill me up, like all of the things that you hear, like they were all packing onto my shoulders. So here I was, I woke up one day and I said, I looked at myself in the mirror and I did not recognize the person staring back at me. I was like, who is this person? Mm -hmm. This person who slaps on a smile every morning and isn't happy, isn't Mm -hmm. happy deeply. And And at that moment, I realized that I had to leave the relationship. I had to find a new job. I had to get a gym membership. And I had to just like do all of the things that I always wanted for myself that I didn't do. So that was like the first step. I didn't know that I was starting onto a self-love journey no. at that point. And, and I had no idea that 10 years later, I would be teaching people how to do that themselves. 
but here I am just like realizing that the first step to any transformation is doing it for yourself. And I think that that's so key to say, because it does look so different for everybody too. So just because like, it may have looked like all these things. I had one guest on before and she said like she was basically in a situation where she was married with kids, had a great house and great things. And she looked around and was like, I'm not happy. And if all of this can't make me happy, I'm in the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And that is like such a powerful thing to recognize because we do these things where we're like, if I own this, if I just lose this much weight, if I just get, it's this destination addiction. But the fact is, if you're on the completely wrong map in your GPS, you're never going to get anywhere. You have to start to kind of like channel your internal navigation and like, where is it that I want to go? Not what everybody wants for me. And And even if it's not placed on you, I think that we create those narratives based on like what we think other people want for us and what we think will make them happy Mm -hmm. that we forget that we're, we're kind of like erasing the best parts of us every single time that we, we sponge onto somebody with somebody else's like ideas onto yourself. Okay. So you teach self-love classes and courses and tell me why I know the answer, but I want you to tell me because it's going to be so much better out of your mouth. (laughs) Tell me why it is so important and not just in a sense of like how we feel in the mirror, but to every facet of life. Why is it important that we see that worth in ourselves and that we have that love for ourselves? Well, there are a couple of reasons why, but the primary reason is that owning your worth and knowing that you are worthy of whatever you want is going to deliver those things. So if you are not owning your worth, the universe is going to continue supporting you in that understanding. So for instance, for the first 25 years of my life, I didn't think I was worthy of having a happy relationship. Mm -hmm. So regardless of what person came into my life, the relationship wasn't happy, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't think that I was worth being happy at my job. So regardless of the promotion, the new company that I got a job at, the amount of money I was making, I wasn't happy. So it's this constant understanding that the thoughts that we have in our head about what we are and what we deserve and what we want are the ultimate beacon for where we're going to end up. And, you know, we we hear about manifestation and all these woo-woo terminologies, but it's like the energy that you put out is the energy that you're going to receive. So why wouldn't you start from within? So I used to be a personal trainer before I stepped into the self-love coaching. And I would have clients come to me, regardless of who they were, the number one reason I need to lose weight so that this person will like me, or I need to lose weight so that I can get the job. I need to lose weight for external validation, Mm. right? And then they'd lose the weight and then they'd gain it back, or they'd lose the weight and the person wouldn't like them, or they'd lose the weight and they wouldn't get the job. And I was like, okay, And of course, as a coach, I'm just like beating myself up. I'm like, I did something wrong. But I realized that I'm doing a disservice by people just telling them to eat this and lift this when at first I'm being like, actually think this. Mm. Like, why do you want to really lose the weight? Because for me, I wanted to lose the weight because I thought that it would make my parents love me more. Right. Right. I wanted to lose the weight because I thought that it would make me love me more. And then like your journey, you've been on two sides of the spectrum and you yeah. didn't love yourself anymore at either no, end but of it. I would definitely say that 
diet culture told me that I would be happy. It mm-hmm. shows like we see these before and after photos and, you know, whether they're ill-intentioned or not, they do deliver this message of how great it is that you're in your after and like you've stepped into like your, your best self. And I was part of that. I projected this message of losing weight was making me happier. Losing weight, all it was really doing was making me constantly self-perfect. Mm. And it also was allowing people to accept me. If they accepted me because I was thin, that is not the kind of person that I really needed in my life. And that was a hard wake up call. And I think it wasn't happiness. So it was more just like at the end of all of this messaging that I'd been given about like everyone smiling in their after photos. And I'm like, I'm smiling, but I'm so broken inside. Mm -hmm. And that was like, I think that was just really, really tough to look in the mirror and still have so much hate and so much targeting of that hate and recognizing like, oh crap, I did the things that was supposed to make me happy and it didn't. And like you said, it's not just weight. It could be our careers. It could be some of these things. And and it's really, it's really important to listen to that inner dialogue because it doesn't matter how much you're climbing the corporate ladder. If you're doing something you're not loving and you're not passionate about and is not feeding your soul, it doesn't matter if you have like this big, beautiful house, if you're not happy living in it, it doesn't matter if you're in this like great picture, perfect relationship of a marriage or otherwise. And it's actually like shattered on the inside. Like all of those things don't matter Mm -hmm. if you're not happy because why do we do these things if we're not going to be able to live our life and be happy in it i mean preach it's but you know you're so right because the one thing you said about in terms of like wanting to do things because you're seeing worth in somebody else accepting you like i remember being 17 and my ex-husband was like an athlete and i was like the chubby girl from high school that was a bit of a tomboy and the fact that he liked me allowed me to feel like I didn't even take a lot of opportunity to be like, do I like this person back? Can I be all of these things that I am? Like I started becoming, I hate to say the term, but I started to become like a suppressant version of myself because I just wanted to be accepted by somebody that I felt had more status than me. Mm. And I didn't realize how huge that was until I was starting when after my divorce and I was learning who I was again, going into the next relationship. I was like a bull in a china shop where I was like, here's who I am. This is who I am. This is everything about me and like whatever. And like, you have to, you have to like these things about me because I'm not willing to negotiate anymore. I'm not willing to negotiate who I am. And my husband was like, well, that's cool. I don't really care. Like he just like was so chill about it because like we talked about on your show, the attractiveness piece of it, it comes from like actual genuine things. It doesn't come from these things that we think impress other people. I find it so amazing that we, we even start conversations with like, what do you do for a job? Like what car do you drive? What house do you live in? We do create these status symbols on somebody's life and whether or not we feel like they're successful and then it becomes part of like their own narrative. Like with my weight loss, people were constantly congratulating me on it. So then it became this narrative of I'm being successful because people are saying that I'm being successful, even if I don't feel good about myself. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's just like a really interesting thing that you said. And I totally agree with this whole concept that, you know, we live our lives with the thought that what other people think of us is, is the most important thing. And it, It's just not. It's not. Because if you don't think highly of yourself, then that's what people are going to think of you. That's so true. So tell me, coming out of like body coaching, I guess, or like lifestyle coaching in the sense of um, fitness, 
and moving into a space of like self-love, how do you see that they actually bridge? Cause this is, this is such a frustrating thing for me is that people find that they're so separate and almost combative of mm-hmm. each other. And I'm sure like the one thing, like I've stepped out of like this weight loss story into like more of a self-love story. And the one thing that I've really loved about it is that my met, like how people treat me around me is no longer like apologetic for what they're eating or feeling bad that they gained five pounds. And they're actually, I feel like I'm experiencing a better thing, but I'd love to hear your story of transitioning from one to the other, how it's been for you and how you've seen the impact be so different. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a couple of different things that I wanted to say about this because uh, just like drive the messaging home about loving yourself is the first step before any transformation. Mm. So when I, at that point, breakthrough moment, rock bottom, when I left the relationship, when I left the job, when I did all of that, within two weeks of moving out of that toxic relationship, that home, 20 pounds fell off of my body Wow! because I just said, I'm done. But that's a release. That's not even right. like- that, that was an emotional a release. release. Yeah. Totally. So the first step is like noticing the why. And then I got into teaching spin because I'd lost 50, 50 pounds as a spin student. Mm-hmm. And I was so terrified to gain the weight back that I was like, the only way that I'm going to keep this weight off is if I do this as a career. So I stepped into- being in the fitness industry out of fear. I didn't step into it. like one of those like spin ones where you get to like say really cool things. Like I always see it in movies where they're like inspirational while you're like riding a bike. I mean, I was voted the most inspirational spin instructor three years in a row. So so it it was actually amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And it was by class pass. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like by some like random, Mm -hmm. like I'm a big deal. Okay. Yeah. 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 We need that trophy (laughs) on the wall, honey. (laughs) I'm not looking for your validation, okay? (laughs) Also, like, look at my trophy bike in the corner. I've never been to a spin class, so I only have, like, people swear by it. Yeah. I would love to try sometime. It was really, it was beautiful because it gave me the opportunity to be a performer because Mm -hmm. that's what I was at the baseline. Like, I grew up and I wanted to be the sixth member of NSYNC, but you couldn't be the sixth member of NSYNC at 225 pounds and five foot three. Like, Mm. it just, like, wasn't going to work. I was probably a little bit taller, but, like, you know, he was this tall and this wide. So, So I got into the fitness world out of fear. And it served me until it didn't. Mm. And then when I stepped into self-love, because I remember sitting on the floor, stretching a client. It was like 6 a.m. She was like, honey, I don't want to work out today. I just want to like, I need you to help me like figure out how to get over this man that just hurt me. And I was just like, okay, let's do this. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and, you know, I helped clients through divorce. I helped clients like get remarried. I helped clients like look in the mirror and get new jobs because of not how they looked, but how they felt about themselves. Right. So in that, and I was just like, oh, well, first of all, I don't like working out. So why am I trying to make a career out of this? Like I had body image issues about like looking in the mirror and being like, okay, Paul, you don't have a six pack. Like you, you do not have the authority to tell someone how to work out. Like you Mm. do not. So that was like a big thing for me as well. So when I transitioned into self-love coaching, it just like the universe was like, you are doing what you are meant to do. And it just aligned so powerfully. And I've been able to slide into people's DMs. And most everyone has been like, yeah, let's collab. Let's do it. Like, it's what I meant to do. Oh, and I so believe that for you because even just in following you, we have so many similarities, but we don't have like, for a long time, and I always say this, I followed only people that I thought were like, just like me. And you're somebody who is like everything I would love to be, but very, very different. 
but you, you channel something into people. And sometimes it feels like silly and funny. Like you do your little dance things and, but it brings a joy about when so many people are experiencing a fog, when they Mm -hmm. turn into social media Mm -hmm. or they're listening to a podcast, like it can sometimes be like a numbing experience. And I feel like you've just chosen to be somebody who is like bright within that space. So, I mean, keep sliding into DMs. It really, really works. It totally does. I'm curious, how do you build a business out of self-love? Like, what is it truly that you do? Because I know a little bit about it, but I really want people to understand that there's a lot of people who feel very helpless in when it comes to this thing. And this isn't something that traditionally has been offered in the past and how much it can truly impact everything. We were even talking in the car, like it, it impacts like how you show up in your job. Like it shows up in how you are in your relationship. It shows up in who you are as a parent, as a, like a sister, a mother, like whatever it is that you are, it shows up in so many ways, Mm -hmm. but how have you been able to take this and make it into a business? Yeah. So I um, have a group coaching program, which is just like my heart. And I love it so much because there's one thing I I do work one-on-one with clients, but there's something about putting a group of people together who don't know each other. They're all going through like the same programming and receiving the same support. And they'll just be like, oh my gosh, same. I feel the same way, the same way. And it's just like totally different walks of life, different Mm. ages. And so fun watching people realize that you are not alone, you know? So it's like, so I created this program and it's called the self-love diet. Now, I was really hesitant to call it that, but of course I'm going against like this idea that the word diet means anything other than habitual nourishment. And I'm not even talking about food. I'm talking about the thoughts that we put into our body, the feelings, and the just like whatever's going into our body, right? So it's a 12-week course and there's three pillars and it's within the, the title of the name. So the first four weeks we're focusing in on self and self is your individuality. So the first step in self-love is realizing that your version of self-love is absolutely not mine. And that is exactly what's meant to be because huh. I'm not walking around trying to be just like you. Like yeah. I'm not changing my handle to the bird's papaya, papaya, you know, the, like the bird's papaya. Pulp, oh, there she goes. Okay. So I'm not like, I'm not changing. I'm not trying to be like you. Yeah. The second we stop being a compare-dashian, comparing ourselves to other people. Oh my gosh. The little like word lingos that we just came up with in the last two minutes really impressed me. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so that's the first step is realizing that like what you said earlier about stripping everything away. So mm. that's what I take my clients through. I take them through this idea of what would you do If you were the only person on earth, you didn't walk up and say, hi, my name is Paul and I'm a self-love coach. I said, hi, my name is Paul and I'm a human. Mm. And just like, there's no defining factor other than you get to choose whatever you want to introduce yourself as, right? So like, how would you introduce yourself if you didn't have a job, if you didn't have family, if you didn't have kids, if you didn't have anything, how would you say? And a lot of people are like, I have no idea. Yeah. I'm literally like, I don't even know. Right. So breaking down this idea that we have to define ourselves so that others will validate us. The only person you need to receive validation from is yourself. True. So those first four weeks are super transformative. And around the- I have chills. I'm sorry. I'm just like thinking about that. That is like, that's mind blowing when you really think about it. When you start to like realize like, I'm literally allowed to be in any room. I'm a lot, well, maybe not everyone, but like <laughs> we're allowed to be whoever the hell we want to be. Right. But for some reason we were told that we we have to align with whether it's our parents' expectations of us or our friends or our families or, or our bosses or our teachers, right? Or society. 
True. So it's like, I think we live in a really beautiful time right now where, as we were talking about on my show, like kids are just so free to do whatever they, they want. Are. And granted, I feel like there's also like this other shackle of, of social media that is like a difficult thing to dance around with children, but that's neither here nor there. That, that could be a whole nother podcast. It could be, yeah, for sure. So at around the four week mark in the self-love diet, I get a lot of panicked calls. Like Paul, I've been working at this job for 60 years, like uh, not 60, but like 40 years. And like, I don't know why I'm doing it. Or like, Paul, I had this realization that like, I just am not in the right relationship. Like really just like crazy, like mind blown mm. moments. And I'm not, I'm not saying that every self-love transformation is massive like that. It could just yeah. be like a, you know, I've been sacrificing myself and doing the dishes every night when it's like the least favorite thing for me to do. Right. 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 So we have like these moments and then we jump straight into the love portion, which is devotion. So I'm teaching you how to get devoted to that new individual. It's okay that for the past 20 years, you were performing and living a life that wasn't truly yours. It's okay. We say, thank you for serving me for mm. this long expectations. Thank you for getting me this far. Mm -hmm. But now, now it's my opportunity to jump in to this new person who's actually the person I've always been meaning to be and I've meant to be, right? Yeah. So then we spend four weeks just learning about how to cultivate love for this person, how to communicate to your partner, to your friends, to your family, to your boss that, hey, I need different things. Yeah. I've been on this journey and realizing, and it's really funny. So I just had a, a client who her entire journey was so fun to watch because as I go through this, there's a common thread that connects most of us, right? And and her whole thing was she was working a job and she just wanted to be a yoga instructor, right? Aww. And she said this at the beginning of our time together in our self-love clarity call. She was like, I just want to be a yoga instructor, but I'm scared. And I was like, okay. It literally took me working with her for six months to get her to finally tell her job. You know what her job said? That's great. We'd love to pay for you to get yoga certified. Whoa. And I was just like, see, see what just happened there. You asked for what you wanted and the universe was like, this is what you're meant to do. Yes. You know, so we did that. And then the final piece of the work is diet and diet. As I said, the real core definition is habitual nourishment. Mm -hmm, so I'm mm -hmm. teaching you how to habitually nourish the devotion to your individuality. And I will say that there is a part of my programming because I think it's very important where we explore our relationship with food. Oh, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. So it's uh, the module is called feel your food because mm -hmm. I get you to really understand and I'll have people be like, I have no issue with food. And, and then we'll be diving in. I'll be like, can you just like take a picture of what you're eating and tell me how it makes you feel? Mm. And they're like, mm, no. And I'm like, why? I eat my food too fast. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Lean into that a little bit. Notice yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. It, it's so funny that you say that because I used to really, I like self-diagnose. I never was fully <laughs> diagnosed, but um, with food addiction, I could literally walk into a room and see all the food around me. And it would be like, I couldn't exist in the room without thinking about that food. So my, what I thought what I needed to do was I need to now count what I'm eating because I need to be accountable for what I'm putting into my body. And I thought that that was completely in whatever calories yeah. it was. So then I got really like, 
I was so aware of the whole room and all the food that I was in it. I would literally even get to the point of like picking up a fork and like putting it down, like picking up a fork and putting it down or I'd put food in my mouth and I'd spit it out. Like I was so broken in my relationship with food because all I saw was good and bad. And all I saw was that there was so much food and that I was so wrong for wanting it. And that like eating a full plate was like not necessarily a good thing. And and, and I just felt like so confused because it was like, don't eat like everything that you want. And also like, you're, you're not deserving of eating. If you, you're not going to, you're not going to lose weight. You're not going to be your best self unless you like keep yourself from doing all of those things. And to find that beautiful balance in the middle of like, again, that instrument versus ornament and knowing that like, I know now, like in the last few years, I've learned so much about my body and what makes me feel good and what makes me feel doesn't. And food has a big part of that. Like I will recognize that like when I'm stressed, I don't eat. And then I binge. Mm. I have recognized that like, I am sometimes really, really tired because I haven't fueled my body that day in the way that it needed. I have recognized now that like I have obsessive thoughts about, or like I'll get into like binge eating without even calling it binge eating. Like I didn't even identify it that way. Like I had, I had a really broken relationship with food that I tried to heal in perhaps the wrong way. So I think it's important to say that like healing a relationship with food is not a bad thing. And I think it's really hard because we hear about eating disorders and eating disorder recovery, but we're not willing to always flip those words. And I remember the first time anybody ever said disordered eating. And I thought, well, that's what I have. Mm. I don't have an eating disorder per se, but I definitely have disordered eating. I don't have, like, I was eating really, really fast. I was eating like what was convenient. I was eating or just not eating. Cause I was like, Ooh, 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 I don't want the calories. I'm just going to skip that meal yeah. and let myself get drained. So I think that that's like, just to piggyback on the fact that like you're affirming that because it is, it is a key component to our relationship with ourselves. But I say that with also like the disclaimer of when you see somebody else eating differently than you're eating or that they're in a different part of their journey, it's not our place to judge and it's not our place to like induce shame on them. It's usually a side effect of something else that's like really going on. And which is why I love that you introduce it as like the last, it's basically the last piece of your program, mm -hmm. right? And so that's nice that it's not the first one no. because you can't put food at the beginning and expect it. It just becomes part of like that dialogue yeah. that, you know, your, your diet culture diet is the thing that's going to heal you coming down the line and understanding that food can truly be a good, you can actually have a good relationship with food mm -hmm. is really, really beautiful. It really, yeah. really is. You know what? Like I, I went from restricting. So, so I went from eating everything to eating basically nothing. And now I'm like, you know what? Like I get to have a beautiful slice of pizza with my family on a Friday night watching a movie and that's self-love for me. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be my every single meal because eventually that pizza is not going to feel so good and I'm going to not, I'm not going to be a good instrument, but it is a really key component. So I love that. I love that you make that a part of it because I think that it's a really confusing piece for so right, many. Right. And, you know, there are a couple of really cool things that you said about this concept of of not inflicting shame on others for seeing how they work. And, and you know, this is called masturbation. And <laughs> I love when you say that word. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this, this may blow your mind. So if you're listening and you're, you're, you're just like, oh my gosh, 
this is going to change your life. So the concept of masturbation, it's a real thing. I didn't make it up. Like you can Google it. I, it's like some doctor that created this term. Masturbation is the act of inflicting your shoulds, your personal shoulds, the way that you expect yourself to act onto others. Mm. And it's just like where all the trolls are masturbating all day long. Yeah. So think about the freedom that you would experience without looking at someone who's like eating all the pizza, eating all the things and being like, they shouldn't be eating that. Well, that's just a mirror for you, of yeah. course. So Try it out today. Catch yourself when you're masturbating. And you know what? I used to be the worst for it. And we we talked about this before too. There, there's so many things that I didn't realize I was judgmental about. And I say that because it has been probably one of the biggest pieces of my own self-healing and self-love has been to stop judging so much because it actually stopped being like my brain stopped being such a negative place. I started to notice things about people that wasn't about what I thought they were doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And even if I didn't necessarily feel like that was a part of it, there's still things that I that I still am like, oh, I don't 100%, like there are things that I don't agree with or there's things that are going on, but it doesn't have to be like this, uh, like this judgment that goes yeah. upon them. I have to remember that, especially when it comes to like diet culture and a lot of things that are going on that we see online. I was a part of that only a few years ago. And the last thing I think I needed was somebody coming along and saying like, you're perpetuating this, you're doing this, you're wrong, you're this. I needed somebody to tell me it was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I needed somebody to come along and like help. I was I was very, very lost. So when you look at somebody and they're in a, they're in a part in their journey that maybe it's even quote unquote wrong, we don't know what's led up to that point, but we do know that people can change, hearts can change. And so maybe our best thing that we can do that day is, yeah, like not masturbate onto them. Yeah. It sounds so wrong to say. Um, <laughs> but instead just like see them as a person, you know, I was even talking to somebody who was dealing with addiction and seeing people as a person and not an addict, seeing people with like, um, mental health issues as a person, not their, not their mental mm-hmm. health, seeing somebody as their individual, not their sexuality, seeing somebody for, you know, what they're putting into the world, not their color, not their gender, not like we have so much opportunity to not judge on all these things. And we don't realize how much, and, and it, Honestly, a lot of times it's it's an unlearning because we've been taught, we've had discussions over our life, somebody's come along and they've maybe been a really impressive person and they they said things that you were like, oh, that sounds right. I must believe that too. When you lean into who you are, you get to kind of decide what those things are for yourself. But for me, it's been the no longer placing judgment on people. It's just freed my mind up to think of other things. Yeah so much better things. Like I just, I just don't have time for that anymore. And, you know, a few years ago, I would have looked at somebody when I was like going through my weight loss. There are certain people that I follow online now that I probably would have looked at them and said, like they're projecting an unhealthy lifestyle. But I can tell you straight up, some of my friends who are in plus size bodies are some of the strongest and healthiest people I've ever met. They definitely like, they, they exercise way better than I do. They eat better than I do. They, they do a lot of things that I'm not doing. And yet society doesn't accept them because they don't look like what health looks like. Mm. And that has taught me so, so, so much because I looked socially healthy and I was not healthy. So that's, it's a constant reminder of like, you, you cannot judge. Like we can't, we just don't know what's going on on the inside. So why don't we just choose a better path? Just choose a love on people instead. Love on them. Love on them. That's what my mission is, you know, to empower and inspire humanity to love unconditionally. What would life feel like if instead of putting out hate, you put out love? Right. Right. What would it feel like? Like try that on like the, and it really just starts from within something that if you're listening and you're like, I have no idea where to even start. Like my mind is blown. I have no idea where to start. This is where you start. 
give yourself permission to explore that. Give yourself permission to explore the idea of loving yourself. Mm. First of all, we live in an Amazon Prime era where you can order something and it'll show up at your door, sometimes even within an hour. That is not self-love. Self-love is not finite. Self-love is a continuous journey. You're going to work on self-love until the day that you die. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really important to know that because I have a lot of people come to me and like, yes, my program is 90 days, but it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. I'm going to give you all the tools that you need to continue on that journey. Honestly. And, and that's so important because we, we look at every other relationship and there's so many books on marriage. There's so many books on parenting. There are ones about like self-love, but truly understanding that that's the relationship that stands till the very end. That's the only one that is guaranteed in our life. Even if like, we have no idea what might happen, what we might lose, who we might lose, but that's the one that stays forever. So if we're not investing in that relationship, everything else changes. So that relationship, with ourself is the one that makes us a better parent. It makes us a better spouse. It makes us a better child and, and friend and sister and whatever it is. Like that's the one, that's the core droplet that creates the ripples outward. So I like identifying how important that is. And you're right. It's, it's finite. Like it doesn't end. It's, it's literally for the rest of your life. And that might sound like, oh, am I never going to find love for myself? It's like, no, love is an action word. It's an intentionality. It is a choice. Mm -hmm. And we apply that with marriages. Like if you're talking about a romantic relationship, how many times do you like fall out of feeling of love and then fall back into it? It's not something that's necessarily just a feeling all the time. Sometimes it is a choice. Sometimes it can be really hard, but it's that growth over time and that intentionality around it. So maybe it's like finding what it is that you love. Like for me, I had to almost like think about it like I'm dating myself. If I was wooing myself and I'm dating myself, what is that going to look like? And what does she want for being taken out on a date? And it doesn't have to look like what anybody else is doing. It has to be what I need for myself. And that's going to change a million times over my lifetime. But if I'm not paying attention to her and if I'm not caring enough to like ask her how she's doing and unpack the day that we had together, you know, I'm just going to be, again, I'm just going to eventually start rolling into the next phase of my life of just people pleasing. Yeah. It'll happen over and over and over again. It's not a cute look. So tell me about the self-love show. The road to self-love. The road to self-love. Yeah. So I, you know, and you can relate to this. So many people were like, Paul, start a podcast, start a podcast, start a podcast. Your voice is so soothing. And actually it's really like, I have the headphones on, you don't. And I'm just sitting here and I'm like, you're the person that's going to narrate my life for me. If I ever have like a written story, like you would be like more than Morgan Freeman or Kiefer Sutherland at this point, like you have a voice. Thank you. You're so welcome. I can leave now. I feel fulfilled. (laughs) So I kept on getting people being like, Paul, podcast, podcast. And I was like, gosh, such a snooze fest. Like sitting with someone um, in a a room, like talking. In a hotel bed. In a hotel bed. I mean, this is exciting. (laughs) But but it's really like that to me. And I really love being in person. Like, and the connection. And I was like, okay, yeah, this could be good. I would love to talk about this with other people. And, and really the cool thing about my show is that I have everyone on the show and it's like, we play fun road trip games and we just talk and just explore what it's like. And then I always ask people what self-love means to them. Mm -hmm. I have recorded, I think by now 30 episodes, every single person's definition of self-love is different. Isn't that so cool? It's so cool. And I don't expect that anyone will ever define self-love the same. And that's just like reminding me again, that there's not a one size fits all when it comes to self-love. And so creating the show was like, 
okay, what do I, what can I do differently? How can I be different? I love being on camera. I love video. So I was doing Vlogmas and from, for YouTube, I was like challenging myself to upload every day from December 1st to Christmas. That's the Vlogmas okay. thing. And towards the end, I was so burnt out. Like, you know, cause you edit, you record and then you edit all through the night and then you record and you edit. And I'm just like, why do people do this to themselves? And, uh, Towards the end, I was just like, I'm just going to put my camera in my car and start talking. And then I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite people into my car. And it's been really fun because not only does it guarantee that I have to be live with the person, but it also is just like, there's something about being in a car that's really safe. I so agree with you. I was going to say that because uh, some of my best conversations I think in life have been on like road trips Mm -hmm. or even like my best friend and I recently just went to the farmer's market like an hour away and uh, we got in the car and we ended up just like talking life. And and at the end of it, I was like, I didn't realize how much I needed that. It was like, it's almost because your phones are down, you're sitting and you're side by side. So what I heard on TV last night, actually, they were saying like sitting side by side is actually a better way to connect with somebody because when you're sitting face to face, it can feel like sometimes it's combative, especially if it's maybe a tough conversation. But when you're side by side with someone, you have this opportunity to kind of just like speak and listen and just like be Mm. present in that moment. And I mean, that's kind of how it felt today in the car. It just felt like very cathartic. Yeah. Carthartic. I'm so thrilled that you felt that way. And that's uh, that's the exact why behind it. So yeah, it's called The Road to Self-Love. You can download it on iTunes or listen to it anywhere. And it's at The Self-Love Show on Instagram. And it's just, it's just growing. And it's so exciting to, to see that. Like I can, I've slid into so many people's DMs and nobody has said no. I'm yeah. to be on it. Although like when they say yes, it's very hard to get them scheduled. Oh but yeah. Like, sorry about that. No, no, no. no. But <laughs> listen, you live in Canada and, but it's so interesting because I'm supposed to be in Toronto right now. And no like, way. Yeah. I had to cancel my trip. So it's like, I'm so glad that it all worked out. I'm really glad that it worked out too. Honestly, I'm just glad that I feel like you're one of those people. We have this like whole internet and there, I feel like there's, there's certain people that were just like grabbing hands with each other. And we're like, are we going to change the fabric of society? Mm-hmm. How are we going to make sure that the next people, somebody actually said this to me the the day and I and I welled up. She was a 60-year-old follower of mine. And she said, following someone like you just reminds me that the world is in good hands. And I thought, mm. oh gosh, that's a responsibility. But it reminded me like, what am I going to look back on? And when I see my kids experiencing the age I am now, like, have we left it in good hands? We grew up in this era of we kind of came into social media and had to learn it. We had to learn what it was going to be. And it was really hard and it was really scary. And, you know, it was really fun too. I mean, I, I miss the days of like true Instagram when we just like took a selfie and then we posted it. And like that filter, the blue one, it was everything. A thing? Like- <laughs> no, I literally had a podcast the other day with somebody who was like, oh, I was like voted the best selfie in like the year, whatever. And I was like, I didn't even have selfies when I was in high school. And she's like, what did you have Polaroid? And I was like, oh my gosh, no. But like, we didn't, we didn't have those. So we've grown up in this like weird curve of life. And this is what I mean though. Like there's certain, there's certain people that I've chosen to, and I've had the opportunity to kind of like hold hands with through this journey. Cause none of us have it right, but we're, gosh, we're trying and we're doing some good stuff out there. And I'm so, so excited to be kind of in with it, like in it with you and seeing that impact that it's making. Cause none of us can do this alone. Mm-mm. And this is not somebody that, this is not even one of those things, like as we band hands and I'm saying that there cannot be enough hands. The, the circle just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until we've truly left 
our story in good hands. Right. And the next person gets to tell it in their words and with their experience. Like you said, everyone's so, so different, but it's so important. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's going to be so different is none of us live the same life or have the same stories. You know, we might have similarities. You and I both have similarities in terms of like what it's like to exit a bad relationship. And we have similarities of how we like sponged ideas for people in our life. We have similar stories when it comes to like weight loss. We have similarities, but I haven't lived your life and you haven't lived mm -hmm. mine. And we both have this perspective that we've been so gifted that no matter what has gone on, you know, I have said this before, but I don't believe that everything happens for a reason, but I believe that out of everything we can do good with it. Mm -hmm. And it is so, it's so beautiful as much as I, a lot of the pain I think that you've gone through and I've gone through, it's not for nothing. It's been for a lot. It's been for a lot of some things and we're doing something with those some things. Yeah. And I am ridiculously proud of you. And oh, um, I just want everyone to know who you are. So give us like a little little end note and send us off with some love here and give us where we can all find you and like tune in to like what it is that we're doing or sign up for your course. Cause I think it's like, if you're going to invest in something, invest in the one thing that's going to change every other aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm plugging him for you. So <laughs> let us know. Yeah. So, uh, there's a couple of things. A lot of the number one question that I get from everyone is how do I start? How do I start? And I created this really fun five question quiz that you can take on my website. And it's also linked to my Instagram bio. Uh, my website is Paul Fishman. So that's my first name, Paul, last name, fish, like the things that swim in the sea, man like me, dot love, dot L-O-V-E, paulfishman.love. And then you can take this quiz and it's going to tell you exactly what tools to use to start your self-love journey. So there are three specific tools, either a mantra, journaling, or meditation. So you take the quiz, it tells you what's going to fit with you, and then it gives you the tools to do that. So I've got some mantras that'll either end up in your inbox or journal prompts or a meditation. So that's a great place to start. And then from there, please follow me on Instagram at Paul Fishman. I love you know, doing facial massage to music and dancing every Sunday. I have a smooth, oh, have my like smoothie dance party. Bits. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Like your little, your little drums that you do too. And like your little dramatic, like fun things. I'm just like, I'm here for it. I'm oh my so gosh. obsessed. Yeah. And I'm just, I love a DM moment. So please slide into my DMs and, and ask me anything. I'm, I'm my number one thing is service. And I mm. want you to know that like, uh, my last bit is like, if you are listening to this, if you are hearing this, know that the universe is speaking directly to you. Mm. You know, I, I am here saying these words for you, for you, exactly you, and you are worth hearing this and you are worth saying yes to you. You are exactly worth it. Oh my gosh. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for saying that because um, I think like literally everybody needs to hear it. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for your time and being lured into my hotel room. And <laughs> I love you so much. And I can't wait for everyone to get to know you. Same. Until next time. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the papaya podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.